Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello guys, how are you? It's Renee Bennett here. I'm really glad to be with you on another episode of Girl Next Door Podcast. Thank you for coming along and listening and sharing this with your friends. Your presence here, I do not take it for granted. And sometimes I don't know who gets more out of this, me in preparing the episodes and getting to be part of this community that we formed here or you guys listening. But big shout out to you all. I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you. Today, we are one off 300 episodes, guys, but today, episode 299, I thought I would try and attempt unpacking and helping all of us understand a little bit more of what's going on when it comes to Israel and Palestine. Now, I've held off for a couple of weeks because I really wanted to wrap my head around it. Um, to be honest, I probably didn't know an awful lot of of the depth of this um, before the last episode thing happened on October the 7th, which we'll talk about in just a moment. Um, And so I wanted to take a few weeks to really uh, research it and to grasp what was going on, Um, even also to have a chat with some people who know a little bit more. I've got a, a friend who's living in the area who I've been able to chat with as well and just say, hey, am I right when I think this, this, and this, or am I right in unpacking this, this, and this? And so I really wanted to kind of do today justice. Um, And I know a lot of you don't fully understand um, exactly the weight of what's going on. And so it's really confusing when, you know, we see things like pro-Palestine marches and protests are going on at the same time that our government come out and say they're pro-Israel. It's just like, what the heck? Like, Whose side are we meant to be on here? And so I really want to unpack and I want to look at the historical context because we really cannot understand what's going on now unless we look right back historically, but not only historically, spiritually. There's a lot of spiritual weight to what's going on right now. Um, and so I, I, I know that a half hour podcast really is not going to do justice to thousands of years of history and to thousands of years of chaos and turbulence when it comes to Israel and Palestine. But before we go into unpacking that, I just want to really have a look at what's happening around society. Now, if we can just put aside the the actual event for a second, we're seeing the same playbook playing out with this issue as we have previously over a whole heap of other issues, and that's one of division. And look, this is obviously dividing people all over the world. It's certainly dividing Christians because of the involvement of of Israel, of course. And it's like people are being forced to choose a side, but then you you get judged no matter what side that you're on. So we've seen this before. Now, we've seen it around things like Black Lives Matters. Let's just park on that one just for a second, right? It's like when that happened... When the George Floyd episode happened, and I remember it was a Tuesday, and everyone was posting a black tile, and 
you literally had a couple of hours, right? And I'll talk to you in a minute about how Karen and I navigated this because I think it might help you a bit on this issue as well. But it's like you had a few hours to quickly post it. You couldn't even post it the next day. If you posted it the next day, like you missed the boat. And what happened over that was if you posted a tile, that meant that you were siding with BLM and that meant that you were inclusive, right? And you were compassionate. If you didn't post a tile, then you were racist or you didn't care. If you posted something completely different, which is what some people were doing at the time, right? They were posting, well, all lives matters. Well, people got real angry at that because it's like, well, what are you doing? Like, that's just ignorant, according to some people. That's not me saying it. I'm just saying. And if you didn't post anything, then your silence was violence. So there's this forcing of sides and then the judgment of no matter what side that you are on. Now, the problem with that is it doesn't leave room for the fact that two things can be true at once. Like what about if you didn't post a black tile, can you still hold great compassion for people of color? Well, of course you can. But at that moment, social media didn't and society didn't allow for that. And that's what's really crazy. So we've got to wake up to the fact that this whole division is an old playbook, right? Divide and conquer. Whether it's Black Lives Matters, COVID, the vaccines, most recently Indigenous Voice to Parliament, it's all about dividing us. Now, if we put this in the context of what's happening at the moment, it's like, okay, some people are saying, well, I'm pro-Israel. And if you say I'm pro-Israel, then you're told, well, you must support genocide. And then there's the pro-Palestine. That seems to be the popular acceptable one on social media, right? So if you support Palestine, well, you're pretty compassionate, but then some people would say, well, no, you're pro-terrorism because that's where uh, Hamas is coming out. So then we go, okay, well, I know what, I'll side with peace. Well, no, if you side with peace, that's a bit like putting out all lives matters. That's just ignorant. And if you stay silent, well, your silence is violence. So it's this whole divide and conquer. So The interesting thing about this is it's causing people to do some really stupid things. I think the most ignorant thing I've seen is the LGBT community putting up photographs of themselves with Hamas signs or or Palestinian flags. It's like, guys, are you kidding me right now? Do you not realize that in reality, um, Hamas would actually kill you if you lived in their country and you were part of LGBT. Like, it's just really interesting to me that they're holding up and and on the side of um, a terrorist organization that in reality would not be on their side. And so that's what I mean. It's just people are not really stopping and thinking. And that's why I put up a post on my Instagram yesterday that, hey, guys, if you don't really know much about it, it's okay to say nothing. It's actually all right to say nothing. I'd rather say nothing than than pick a side for the sake of virtue signaling, but you don't really understand, okay? So so I just want to let you guys all off the hook there. You don't have to say anything. Now, if you have a look at all the noise on social media, no matter what side you take or what comment you make, you are going to be accused of somehow being non-inclusive and divisive. Now, another issue that we're seeing in society right now is we're not used to blatant atrocities unfolding in real time on the screen in front of us, right? Like World War II, when that happened, 
their only way of knowing was if they would sit around the radio at night. And of course, some things happened right in front of them, but there wasn't the media that we have today where we are seeing things on our screens happening almost moments after it happened. So clearly we can see that innocent people are being caught up in the middle of it all. And that is war. I found this guy on social media who is actually the only person I'm aware of who's actually reporting with constant live footage what is happening on the ground in Gaza. Now, this is literally, it will bring tears to your eyes. It is unbelievable to watch. And our society is not used to seeing this. We're so used to being, you know, comfortable. They're not used to the toll of war like my grandparents were where in war, innocent lives are taken and it's brutal and it's beyond comprehension, but this is reality. So because we're seeing loss of innocent lives on both sides in Israel and Gaza, people just don't know again, well, whose side am I meant to take, right? And so people are really confused. Do I, do I take, do I blame Hamas for starting it? Do I blame Israel for continuing it? And so this is just increasing all of the immense tension and society is really struggling to cope. And so we're seeing a lot of people really lashing out on social media. So if if people come out in support of Israel, then the other side are, are incensed because they're seeing innocent lives taken in Palestine. But then if you come out in support of Palestine, well, because that's where the terrorist group Hamas come from, who com- committed the original atrocities of October 7, then people are incensed by that too. Okay, so that's kind of why you're seeing a lot of reaction on social media. Now, another thing happening around to confuse us even more, guys, is the propaganda. A lot of propaganda always goes on in war, which means people really don't know what's true, what's not. So this is causing even more division because it's really hard to verify the different reports. Now, what do I mean by propaganda? Basically, propaganda is fake news. It's false information that one side uses to make the other side look bad. So it's information that they're happy for it to get out there because they're happy to be misleading to promote their own political cause, right? So let me give you an example. If a bomb goes off somewhere in Gaza and innocent people are killed, well, people are all up in arms because they're like, well, look at Israel. They did this. It's so brutal. But then if you look at other sources, they'll be like, well, no, Hamas did that to themselves. They killed their own people intentionally and then blamed Israel. Another example was right at the start, we were told that 40 babies were killed by Hamas. Then apparently it was a false report. Then no, it was a verified report. So you can see that we just don't know Uh, what's true, what's not, what's real, what's verified, and it's changing from day to day. So this is all adding to the division, the confusion, and then the outrage and the lashing out on social media. Now, just to add a little bit more to this, guys, we've got the celebrities weighing in. Now, have you seen this week's 70 celebrities, some of whom, by the way, are Australian celebrities who told us to vote yes to the voice to parliament, have now gotten together and written a letter to Biden demanding that there must be an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Now, after what the world has been through with celebrities posting black tiles, telling us to get vaccinated, and then here in Australia, telling us that we have to vote yes to the voice, no one knows 
if they can trust the celebrities either. And I wonder, and I've heard reports of, and it seems like perhaps they're being paid off to promote all of these things. So they're being paid off to tell us what to do. I don't know. What do you think? I'll leave that one with you guys. So bottom line, we don't know who to trust. We don't know what report to trust. We don't know what leader to trust. We don't know what media outlet to trust. I think we're a bit done with listening to celebrities. So a little bit of a word on how to navigate this, guys. You don't have to get involved on social media, especially. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to post. You don't have to comment. Let me say this. This is the way that I always roll. My moral compass is not determined by the moral compass of the masses. Okay, that will always get us in trouble because then we find ourselves doing things that we don't really understand what we're doing. The black tile was an example of that. So let me say it again. Say it with me. My moral compass is not determined by the moral compass of the masses. So if you don't understand what's going on right now or you have questions, that's okay. It is okay to sit back and watch and observe and read and research And that's exactly what I'm doing and um, have been doing the past few weeks so I can try and help you guys unpack it too. But what you won't find me doing here is giving um, much of an opinion. Uh, We really can't also, guys, uh, ignore the spiritual significance of this. Um, Before I get into looking at the history, what what I want to do today is look at the lie of the land, like how is Israel set up geographically, because that's really important to understanding what's going on. And then we're going to go back to to the history of where the tensions really began. But most importantly, we need to go back to biblically. Um, But before we go to that, there really is a spiritual significance to this. And this is a spiritual battle as much as it's a physical one. Now, I don't want to um, park on this for too long in this episode today because this would really need some unpacking of uh, an expert that understands, um, you know, end times and how this all fits in with that. But this war that's going on right now, it certainly is a war, but it's not just a physical war. It is certainly a war between good and evil. I mean, you guys can see that the atrocities that we're seeing, this is just, you know, just beyond comprehension. This is certainly a war between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And at the end of the day, we have to remember that God's chosen people in all this are the Israelites or the Jewish people that came from Abraham through Isaac. And I'll get into that in a moment. But the Arab people, the Muslims, also came from Abraham through Ishmael. So that's how far back this conflict is birthed, right? There's a, there's the spiritual weight to this conflict, which came from Abraham. Okay, so let's get going on some of the other things I wanted to talk about. Now, guys, can I just please ask you for a bit of grace today? I'm not going to be perfect on this. Um, so please extend grace, do your own research as well. Um, my aim is not to tell you how to think about this. I don't think any one person can actually say that their opinion is the right opinion because as we unpacked before, it is hard to know where the actual truth lies in all of this. But again, we can certainly uh, go back to biblical uh, worldview on this, which is going to really help us to navigate. But we must understand that this is a very, very complex issue that has centuries worth of history here. So let's start off. We're going to look at the geo uh, geopolitical lie of the land, geography of it, and then we'll get into a bit of the history and the biblical history. So 
If you don't, if you haven't already, and this was really important, this helped me understand exactly what was kind of going on. If you look at a map of Israel, just get on your phone and Google map of Israel. You'll be able to see, because I didn't fully understand where's Palestine, where's where Israel? Palestine is basically within Israel. So I'm going to try and make this as simple as I can. So try and follow, but if you can get yourself a map and have a look while I'm talking, it will actually help you. But Israel is a small country in the Middle East, as you know, and Jews, Christians, and Muslims all regard it as the biblical holy land. And now some would say that, look, modern Israel, which is the Israel we have today, is different to the Israel of the Old Testament. But regardless, Israel are God's chosen people. Now, the main religion of Israel is Jewish. Then the next most uh, popular religion is Muslim. And then the largest minority group is Christian. Now, Israel, if you look on that map, it is bordered by the, the, the sea. You've got the sea on one side, and then you've got Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria. About 8.95, almost 9 million people live in Israel. Its capital is Jerusalem, and its second largest city is Tel Aviv. Now, within Israel are two territories, and these are the Palestine territories. One of them is on the edge near the sea, but it's still inside Israel. And that's a thin strip of land known as the Gaza Strip. And the other one is called West Bank. Okay, so those two parts of Israel, the Gaza Strip and West Bank, are the Palestinian territories. Now, poor little Jerusalem, a bit like Piggy in the middle, has one foot in Israel and one foot in Palestine because the east of Jerusalem is sitting in West Bank, okay, which is Palestine. Now, if we just focus on the Gaza Strip, which is where this is all coming from, there is a, uh, in that tiny strip, about two and a half million people live there. Now, its main religion is Muslim, but the largest minority group, again, is Christian. So let's have a quick look at the tension that started, like where's where's this tension coming from? Now, it's very interesting when I tried to Google the tension, a lot of Google would only take me so far back as like the 1940s. Uh, now, the reason that there's been a lot of tension between Israel and Palestine is in the past, it's been all about the land. Now, I think this is more than the land on this one, because I'll explain it to you in a moment, but Hamas, that come the terrorist group that come out of Gaza, have got a, a terrible uh, written charter where they're wanting to kill Jewish people. But we'll get into that in a minute. But the tension has always centered around whose land this belongs to. Is it the Palestinians? Or is it Israel's land? So people that are on Israel's side say, well, this land actually belongs to the Jews. It belongs to the Israelis. They've got every right to fight for it, which, by the way, is the biblical, um, uh, biblically, this is correct. And Israel just wants to exist as a Jewish state and they want to live in peace. But the pro-Palestinian side says, well, no, most of this land belongs to the Palestinians and the, it's the Israelis that are encroaching on or colonizing the Palestinian land and claiming more and more. So it's like this war between whose land it is. Now, like I said, most of these arguments are centered around the history between the two, only dating back to about 1948. You'll see maps floating around that show this supposed slow t- takeover of Palestine by Israel. 
There was also a war that happened in 1967 where Israel uh, came in and occupied those two Palestinian territories. So they occupied West Bank and Gaza. And so that's why when you see a lot of this, you know, hashtag free Palestine, it's because they say, yeah, those people might be living in Palestine, but Israel are controlling um, those parts of um, of Israel, which they called Palestine. But in 2005, and this is where Hamas comes into it, in 2005, Israel disengaged from the Gaza Strip and said, right, well, we're out. And Hamas was voted in, which is crazy. I'll explain Hamas to you in a minute. But from 2007, when Hamas took over, they had complete control of the Gaza Strip and its people. Okay, so within that Gaza Strip, you've got the Palestinians and the Palestinians supposedly voted in Hamas. Now, at the time, over half of them obviously voted them in, but I would say now less Palestinians would actually back Hamas because I think they've realized who they really are. Now, what did Hamas do when they took over? Well, they straight away built tunnels and bought large-scale weapons. So Israel were like, oh crap, we're in trouble. Um, We better protect ourselves from Hamas. And so they built blockades to protect themselves. So did Egypt, by the way, because they're bordering the land there too. But Israel have still uh, allowed food and medicine and other necessary things to pass in to the Gazans. They've also allowed thousands of the Palestinians who live in Gaza to work in Israel. They've got passes where they come in and they work in Israel. They go backwards and forwards because in Israel, they're paid 10 times the amount. The Palestinians are very oppressed in Gaza. There's arguments though over, is it the Israelis oppressing them or is it Hamas? Right. Who are Hamas? Well, they are an Islamist, Islamist political and militant organization that are governing the Gaza Strip. They are a terrorist group. Their aim, according to Secretary of State, is actually to destroy Israel and murder the Jews. Hamas have got a written charter and an explicitly spoken goal to completely annihilate Israel, which means the Jewish people. I don't know if some of you have been seeing uh, at some of the protests, there was something I saw today where there was a uh, a pro-Palestine protest in London where they were going around talking about killing Jews. And that's why, again, there's all this division because people are like, well, you can't be pro-Palestine because if you're pro-Palestine, then you're for those awful people, like those that are calling for the extermination of Jews, which is absolutely abhorrent and disgusting. But the issue is there are some Palestinians who are completely innocent in all of this and who don't back Hamas. And that's why there's so much confusion. Now, guys, you might not know, but Hamas is actually in the Bible. In Genesis 6 verse 11, the scripture says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. That word violence in the original Hebrew is the word Hamas. How fascinating is that? Hamas means violence and wrongdoing. So Hamas say, well, we are just resisting Israel's oppression of the Palestinians. So the pro-Palestine or the free Palestine People are all about how the Palestinians need to be able to govern themselves and their own territories, which have been occupied by Israel, even though Israel withdrew out of the Gaza Strip in 2005. Now, if you have a look and you Google, like I said, you'll often only get taken back to 1948. But this is the issue, guys. 
it dates way back further than that. We have to go back to the biblical history of Israel and Palestine. We've got to go back to those the beginning where the people of Israel, who are also known as the Jewish people, they trace their origins biblically back to Abraham, like I said before. Now, it was Abraham who established belief that there is only one God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are referred to as the patriarchs of Israel. The very name Israel derives from the name given to Jacob. So remember God said to Abraham, look up as many as the stars are that you can count. I'm going to give you that many descendants, right? This is all part of God's promise of his chosen people. How did they crystallize? How did Abraham's descendants crystallize into the Jewish or Israeli nation? Well, that happened after their exodus from Egypt under the leadership of Moses. So Moses was the leader. He led them out. Remember, he went to Pharaoh, let my people go. After all of the plagues came, he's like, fine, you guys can go. It was at that point, they crystallized into the nation. They were the Israelites. That's when Moses gave the people the Torah and the Ten Commandments. And what happened from there? Well, for 40 years, they wandered around, which is crazy because they literally could have walked there in about 10 days. But they wandered around for 40 years um, before going into the land of Israel, which was the land promised by God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Genesis 17, verse 8, the whole land of Canaan, this is God talking to Abraham, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So God made a covenant. He is a covenant maker and he is a covenant keeper. Exodus 4.22, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. So it was God that chose Israel as his firstborn son. They are his chosen people. He made a forever covenant with the descendants of his people and their land. So in other words, God promised and gave the land of Israel to the Jews, first to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then to their descendants. Now, interestingly, the people that live there today, modern day Israel, they still share the same language and culture and religion from their founding father, Abraham. So the Jews have had a continuous, turbulent, which I'll go into, but a continuous presence in the land of Israel for the last three and a half thousand years. Remember, it's a forever covenant. That land still belongs to the Jews because God gave it to them. So what the heck happened? How come the Palestinians think it's theirs? Well, let me explain. When they first went into the promised land, they had hundreds of years where it was great. They had all these kings, you'll recognize them, King David, who made Jerusalem the capital, and then his son, King Solomon, who built the first temple in Jerusalem, and all these other kings for hundreds of years. But where it went south was Nebuchadnezzar. The turning point was when Nebuchadnezzar's army captured Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and exiled the Jews to Babylon, to Babylon, which, by the way, is now modern-day Iraq. So from this time on, that region where the Jews, so we're talking about Israel, where the Jews had been exiled, that region was controlled by a succession of superpower empires, like the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Roman Empire, all the way through to the British Empire, right? World War II. So it was under the rule, however, of the Roman Empire that every single, like the Jews were completely exiled. 
it was actually the Romans who decimated the Jewish community. They wanted to obliterate Jewish identification with the land of Israel. And it was the Romans that renamed parts of the land Palestina or Palestine, which by the way, means Philistine. So after the Jews were exiled, guess what they did? They migrated to Europe. Hello, hello, World War II. They migrated to Europe and North Africa, and they did well. They established rich cultural and economic lives, and they contributed to where they lived. And we know that because that was part of um, Hitler's issue with the Jews is that they were so well off. Uh, So they, however, even though they were exiled, their prayer was always to return to their land, right? So, so basically the Jews for all those hundreds of years were, were homeless. They were, uh, I guess they were the refugees that had, that had made their homes in other countries. Now, it was in the first half of the 20th century, there started to be a wave of immigration of Jews back to Israel. But remember, by now, the Palestinians think that they own the land. They're like, no, this is our land. And actually, it was the British who restricted the entry of Jews into Palestine. Of course, that's when we end up with World War II. We see the massacre of millions of Jews. And it wasn't until after World War II, in 1948, when the last last British forces left Israel and the Jewish community leader declared independence and established the modern state of Israel. Okay, so that's where the issues are. So, of course, by then, the Palestinians had been living there for hundreds of years. So they're like, this is our land. Whereas the Jewish people are like, hey, like, especially after World War II, they're like, we are homeless. We are a people without a land. We don't belong anywhere. And this land is given to us by God. So you can see. But of course, Muslims aren't going to believe that. They, they, you know, they've got completely different, um, different beliefs. And so... To them, it's like, well, no, this is actually our land. So they, their view is, well, it's Israel that's colonized us. It's Israel taking land from us. So that's the full history in brief, okay? Biblically, God gave the land of Israel to the Israelites. Um, but of course, then we see that once they were exiled, the Palestinians, they were the ones that ruled the land, Now, some people say, well, there's an easy solution here. Why don't we just create two states? So you might hear this concept of a two-state solution, whereas, um, and I I don't know a lot about that, but that's why you'll hear that. It's like, well, why can't we have two states within the one? Um, So I hope that's helped you a little bit, but let's have a bit of a focus on what happened on October the 7th. No doubt you've seen this. Um, the Hamas attack began on that crossing known as Arez, which is the crossing um, at the n- northern end of the Gaza Strip. Okay, so remember Gaza is a strip of land within Israel. They got access to the gate that Israel military usually used to enter Gaza. Remember, they still allow humanitarian the aid or whatever to go in there. Gazans come out. So it was... At that gate, they got access. Now, it was on motorbike, on car, on foot. Over a thousand Hamas terrorists came pouring across the border. And in the space of a few hours, a wall and fence system costing billions of dollars and one of the best security systems in the world had been breached. Now, they also at the same time sent a barrage of two and a half thousand rockets over 
and they also attempted boat and paraglide landings. Now, you might or might not have heard of how Israel is protected by the Iron Dome. I actually used to think it was a physical Iron Dome. (laughs) Okay, stupid, I know. Clearly it's not. It's basically one of the world's best air defense systems. Basically, it's a network of radar detectors and missile launchers, right? And they work together to detect and intercept and then blow up any incoming rockets or missiles. But apparently, this is one thing I don't understand. How did Israel not see this coming? Like Israel's got the best security, the best intel. How did they not see it coming? One thing that I read said, well, the rockets just overwhelmed the Iron Dome. They'd never anticipated two and a half thousand rockets coming into the Iron Dome all at once. They couldn't keep up. Now, most of what you've probably seen is how the Hamas terrorists stormed a music festival where there were thousands of innocent young people dancing and partying. Now, this festival was being held right near that border, right near the Gaza-Israel border on farmland, and they were actually there to celebrate the Jewish holiday. And one of the reasons, well, another reason that they reckon that they didn't see it coming, but again, I don't know, um, is because on this Jewish holiday, Jewish people switch off of everything. They don't read the news. They don't go on social media. And so they just didn't know that this was coming. So this festival is happening. The music's playing. You know, people were filming, obviously, on their cameras. It was full of young people. And the next minute you see these paragliders coming towards them in the distance and then sirens were starting to blare. But these people at first, they thought it was part of the music festival. They thought it was part of the music. And then by the time they realized they had nowhere to run as they were in an open field. Now we know that Hamas then slaughtered 260 of them, took others hostage, uh, raped women, others tried to, um, some of them tried to flee in their cars, but the road became clogged. And the Gaza militants were coming the other way, just shooting people. So there've been all sorts of reports, but again, hard to know what's true, what's not. Um, So I told you before about the report of the killing of the babies, uh, which was then debunked and then it was verified. So it's just hard to know. But what we do know is Hamas killed 1,400 Jewish people and took 200 hostage. One of them, which is so sad, one of them is actually an old and elderly lady who was a survivor of the Holocaust. So that just beggars belief. Uh, And they killed more Jewish people that day than any other day since the Holocaust. So I've read a few articles about Hamas. Someone made the incredibly important point that the real enemy of the Palestinians is not Israel, but actually Hamas. Now, of course, we've got Israel that are... um, launching a a full-blown attack against Gaza, which is obviously uh, against Hamas. And again, this is where you've got people going both sides. People are seeing the, the terrible tragedy of the killings of innocent people in Gaza being killed. And of course, that is in response to the terrible thing that Hamas did uh, to the Jewish people in Israel. Um, On the Israel side, they're like, if we don't go hardcore and we don't fight back hard, then we are, you know, Hamas are just going to overrun and rule and overtake. I heard a Jewish man, I follow some of his stuff, and he said, 
if the Palestinians laid down their weapons, there would be peace because that's what Israel would want. They want peace. But if Israel laid down their weapons, there would still be war, if you understand that. So the majority of the Palestinian people apparently do not support Hamas, but Hamas do portray themselves as freedom fighters. But that seems to be something more widely believed by people in other parts of the world like Australia than those living in Gaza. Gaza knows what Hamas really stand for. And of course, there would be some that would support Hamas. Now, despite the complexities of the history of Israel-Palestine conflict and how violent and tragic and complex this is, it really is not about sides. Innocent people are dying on both sides. And I was speaking to a friend of mine uh, who lives over there, and they were saying to me, it's okay to feel compassion on both sides here because there are innocent people and you can hold compassion for both sides, but also still understand uh, from a spiritual biblical context, what's going on as well. I mean, the barbaric and violent slaughter of babies, women, elderly and children, that's not complex or complicated. That's just flat out evil. What Hamas has done is pure wickedness and has caused the tragic suffering of not only the Jewish people, but now the Palestinians as well. So Hamas has set this chain of events in motion. Israel have continued it by sending a message with the bombing and the relentless attack on Gaza. And innocent people on both sides have and will continue to die. So we can extend compassion and empathy to the innocent people in Palestine while still condemning Hamas terrorists. Let me finish with uh, some of the reactions that we've seen from um, even like BLM, from the government uh, and from Christians as well. Um, So BLM, this is just quite mortifying. So, you know, the very thing that everyone was on BLM at BLM's side a long time ago, a couple of years ago when all of that stuff happened that I talked about before, of course, the hashtag Black Lives Matter got confused with the organization. However, it, the organization were a big part of something that everyone was, was supporting at the time. Uh, it didn't age well for those people that stood on that side. Um, and that's why Cameron and I didn't post at the time, because we were, we took the same approach as, you know, well, can, let's just hold on for a minute. Let's do our research. Let's see what's really going on here. And when we realized that the Black Lives Matter organization was attached to it, we're like, heck no. Well, they did a disgusting post around this. They actually put up a picture of a paraglider flying in. It was like a, it was like a white background and it was like a silhouette image of a paraglider flying down with a Palestinian flag on it, right? That's what BLM put up. So they just showed themselves right there for how evil they always have been and are, that they're basically saying that they're standing with the Hamas terrorists who paraglided into the dance party in Israel where thousands of young adults were celebrating their Jewish holiday and then proceeded to kill, rape and kidnap hundreds of innocent people. I've just got no words for that. Um, What about the government here in Australia? That's been pretty confusing as well. So the government have uh, publicly, they said that they stand with Israel, but then simultaneously they've 
let pro-Palestinian protests go ahead where they were saying some terrible things about Jewish people. Um, I think one of the pro-Palestine protests maybe was shut down, if I remember correctly. But then you've got the Sydney mayor who announced at the weekend her refusal to light up the city hall in the colours of the Israel flag because that would fly in the face of the council's values of harmony and inclusion. So that's what I'm talking about when I when I said earlier a lot of the time people are literally tying themselves up in the most ridiculous and ignorant knots because they want to be seen to be inclusive. So the Sydney mayor's not going to put up the Israel uh, the colors of the Israel flag on city hall because they don't want to be seen as not being inclusive. And then on the other hand you got the labor minister um, who's asking well why hasn't the opera house been lit up in the Palestinian colors? So one person's trying to be inclusive and says no lights. The other person's trying to be, doesn't care about inclusion and is like lighted up in Palestine colours. And then the government says we're pro-Israel. So, so like you can see, even our government's like no idea, just like complete division there. So that's no help. So in conclusion, we can see that there are many things going on at once here. For Christians, it's clear what the Bible says about Israel and the Jewish people being God's chosen people, uh, that in Psalm 122 verse 6, it's very clear that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We can also have compassion on uh, seeing the innocence, the innocent lives that are being harmed on every side of this, and it is okay for us to want all innocent people, especially the children, to be safe. Um, but we must remember, I think the one thing we, we all must agree on is that Hamas is the evil ones definitely here, that they are a terrorist group that believes in jihad jihad being war against unbelievers and that should scare all of us because that's most of us here listening to that so i would encourage you to continue to um not add to the noise on social media um you know you don't we don't have to say everything anything about everything on socials um it's not going to help anyway but what will help is if we pray and the Bible tells us to do that. And so I know for me, I pray every day, Lord, for the peace of Israel, which is what the Bible tells us to do, um, for the innocent people, especially the children. Oh, man. And um, and then, of course, for the friends that we have living in the Middle East who are in our prayers daily. And um, pray. I think we should pray for all of ourselves that we have wisdom to discern and not to jump on things too quickly, guys. If you see a report about something, don't just believe it at face value. Cross-reference it. Wait a few days. Have a look at different sources. Um, so I hope that that's helped you to understand it a bit. Like I said, I didn't give any opinion other than, of course, I will always come from from Bible perspective on what Scripture says. Um, but there just is so much noise going on around this. But I hope that's helped you to understand by knowing the history of Israel and Palestine. Guys, thank you for joining me. Thank you, as always, for your support. Thank you for those that support me on Buy Me A Coffee. 
The link to that is in the show notes, but also on my Instagram. Come along on the Instagram, have a chat with me there. I've, I've left a little, got a little reel on there going, hey guys, if you've got questions or you just want to, you know, talk together backwards, forwards, absolutely no vitriol allowed. I will absolutely just delete anyone that does um, put any vitriol about this. We don't need more, but genuine discussion I'm more than happy for. I love you guys. Can't wait to be back with you next week. Until then, have a blessed week. Bye.